these monks and this guy barricaded themselves in the church and the Roman guards spent days trying to break in and they just held it down. They didn't have food and water. They didn't prepare for a siege. They were just at church. And it's just this amazing thing. And in the middle of all that, Ambrose gets up and just gives a sermon. And one of my favorite lines in it is he goes, if God can use a dumb donkey to ride into Jerusalem, perhaps he can use someone even as lowly as me. I'm like, what? He's saying this while they're banging on the doors to get in. It's just the the people i tell you they they do things that i just i look at them and i go i could not be that cool welcome to the christian emergency podcast a podcast for christians spooked by the growing hostility in the culture today we will tackle a range of topics from current events persecution missions and what it means to be the church You will gain valuable insights from those experienced working with persecuted Christians around the world, insights we all need to chew on in these strange days. Together, may we help the church stand. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Christian Emergency Podcast. I'm Andy, your host, and one of the things at the Christian Emergency Alliance that we're intent on doing is strengthening the church. A part of that is just bridging gaps amongst Christians, persecuted Christians being connected with Christians around the world so that they can get assistance and help, but also so that Christians who will face pressures tomorrow can learn from their example and what they've gone through in advancing the gospel under fire. But another gap that exists is just how disconnected we as Christians can be from our own history. So much of this is foreign to us. We don't have a grasp. And we stumble around thinking that a lot of the the challenges that we face today are novel, that the church has never confronted them before, or just so much of the the scriptural truths that we strive to live under is also new and unique to our own season. But we have so much to glean from our past, from Christian history, and that's why I am glad to be joined today by Troy Frazier. Troy Frazier is a co-founder of Revive Studios, and they put out content, podcasts, that plumb the depths of history and make it very accessible and easy for us to understand today. So we're going to get into that. Troy, I want to welcome you to the show. Hey, I'm really glad to be here, and thank you so much for the very kind opening. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a good time. Yeah, so... Would you just tell us a little bit about your backgrounds and how you ended up uh, in ministry? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. No problem. So I grew up uh, not in a Christian home, uh, although my mom was is a believer. Uh, my dad is, was a very outwardly atheistic person, but his, his uh, personality, if anything, actually drove me closer to wanting to be interested in God because my father and I would fight on everything. Uh, so I ended up going and be, uh, my mom wanted me to make friends. And so she took me to youth group and I did make friends and I found some people I really enjoyed there. And I heard the gospel and over the course of time, the Lord just, uh, got a hold of my belief system, got a hold of my mind and eventually got a hold of my heart. And then in my, when I turned 20, I moved halfway across the country from where I was living in Florida to Kansas city to go to a small, small Bible college there. And the Lord really trained me and taught me and made me realize that I do not know as nearly as much as I thought I did about him and who I am and uh, really called me into ministry and called me to take what I've learned about him from the scriptures and share it with others. So got married shortly thereafter. My wife and I, we went to, uh, we worked with at-risk youth who were being uh, on their way to prison, but took a little break at a in-home family services place in Florida. 
Then eventually we moved to China, worked there for a few years as teachers at Christian schools and whatnot. Then went back to the States, got a degree in seminary there. Uh, and then after living downtown in Miami for a year, then back in Kansas City. And then um, we went to Cambodia and now we're in Indonesia. We hope to stay here for a very, very, very long time. So that's where we're currently at. Uh, but the Lord just called us in. I just feel like there's so much to share. I love I love sharing the word and I love sharing uh, what he has done for me in my life. And I just think there's just so much we can just enjoy from him. And along the way, we started a podcast uh, called Revive Thoughts. This was actually just kind of an idea that we had where I was reading a book of sermons. And I remember it was Dietrich Bonhoeffer sermons. And I, I didn't even know much about him. I actually meant to pick up his biography. And Providence had it that I picked up his book of sermons instead. And I remember the day I realized I made my mistake. I bought like a stack of books from a Christian bookstore. And I, I just basically tossed this book aside in my car. I was like, who's going to want to read a bunch of old sermons? But one day I was bored in my car. I had a car driving job at the time. And I did read those sermons. And I was like, these sermons are so, so, so good. And I looked at the the titles and they would tell you these descriptions. And they'd be like, this sermon was preached the week that Hitler became the chancellor of Germany. Or this one was preached the week that the Nazis marched through the cities. And I was like, wow, can you imagine you would preach these crazy sermons of, of trust in God and faithfulness in these very amazing opportunity and times. And I thought, man, somebody should bring these back to life so we could hear them again and feel them again. And so that's what we do at Revive Thoughts. We take history's greatest sermons and we bring them back to life. We let you listen to them modernized and we we give you the backstories of these different preachers as well. You do. Wow, that was a you've had a whirlwind life uh, of experiences and different ways that God's moved you. That's exciting and it it looks like it lines up perfectly with our hearts too with just knowing God and helping make God known. Also the the adventure that is Christian missions and seeing how God directs you when you're not exactly sure what your next steps are. That's all part of it. And yeah, even your reference to Bonhoeffer there, that uh, is near and dear to our hearts. Bonhoeffer and other faithful biblical Christians in Germany around 1933, they stood up a group called the Pastors Emergency League. And most don't know this, but that is actually why we have the goofy name that we do, the Christian Emergency Alliance. We took that name as a hat tip honoring them and their work in the sense that we're trying to accomplish similar ends as they did when it became very unpopular in 1930s Germany to stand up for biblical Christianity. Um, it became very hard to train up young pastors, so seminaries had to be set up in the backwoods and cabins of Germany. Pastors were sent to jail and all this. So um, this history is rich. It is something for us to to really plumb and, and mine, and you're doing this with this podcast. You, you mentioned how you came across that book and you started reading these. What was it that stood out that you were actually starting to notice that you were deriving help from not just a biography about somebody, but also just the sermons that they actually presented? No, that's a really good question. So it, there, this is something I very quickly realized when I, when we started this show, we started collecting. I mean, I, I went to Bible college, I took church history class. I thought I understood church history and I knew probably 0.1% of what there is to know from church history. And I now, as I'm much older, I now realize just how much there is. But so many of us think we know what's going on. We think we understand so much of this stuff. We think we have this knowledge. In reality, we have this bare scaffolding outline of how we got here. We know the book of Acts. And then we kind of had this blank space, this Council of Nicaea another blank space and maybe there's a crusade in there somewhere and you get to Martin Luther maybe you know that story kind of well and then there's a giant blank space and you're here and at some point you may some know some names and what I quickly realized with 
Bonhoeffer, with, with Charles Spurgeon, with Jonathan Edwards, with, with less famous men as well, is that so many of these great preachers whose sermons we have today, they preach so boldly. Just It's just bold and it's, it's, it's firm and it stands out and you listen to these sermons. And, and I, I can't tell you how many times we receive, I mean, the feedback is almost always some version of the same thing. You can always count on it, but it's, wow, I can't believe how relevant that sermon was today. Even that sermon might be 1700 years old, but it's still hitting just as hard today because the truth doesn't change. And yet we also hear over and over again, I just don't hear preaching like this anymore. It's so just straightforward. It just mm-hmm. it's just here's Jesus, take him and leave him. Don't make this more complicated than we like to. And I and I that's for me. I love I love getting to make this show. It's not just something I do because all you know I'm got the podcast, I gotta do it. I love it. There's nothing more exciting to me when I find a good sermon like we do because I just I never get tired of just seeing how bold these men are. It's so encouraging. I have a sermon I'm editing, I just edited this week. It was by Cotton Mather. And he had a uh, he had a ministry to pirates, which I mean, how do you not love that? But guys preaching to pirates, right? And there were these guys that have been captured, and they were they were on death row. And he's preaching the last sermon they'll ever hear hours before they'll be executed. He's just looking at them and he's saying, "You're going to die. You're going to hell. Are you going to wake up and realize this, or is it too late?" And I'm just like, it's so different than how we would do it today. We're so scared. We'd be so gentle. We'd be like, "Hey, friend." Do you want to hear about my buddy Jesus? And he's just like, no, you have minutes left to figure this out. We're not, we don't have time to dilly dally. And then he turns to the crowd and he goes, do you see everyone? What happens when you stray from God? You end up like these men. These men may be on the execution chair, but it's not much longer for you either. And I'm just like, it just, it blows my mind. That's just mm-hmm. one of hundreds of sermons that are just like it. They just, they wake you up from your stupor. Yeah. One of the nice things about your program is, well, there's, there's several things, but a lot of people today are busy, even Christians that are that recognize that they need to, to plus up their knowledge of history so that they have more context to see the world around them. A lot of them are busy. They're running back and forth to jobs. They're chasing kids. Uh, they've got a lot on, on their plate. But by packaging it like you do, it's very digestible. It's something that you can, you can redeem that time behind the wheel as you're driving down the road. But it, it's so good. And you also pair a sermon that's read by an individual. So you're actually listening to the words of a sermon that would have presented hundreds of years ago or a thousand years ago, which is surreal. We'll sometimes read old things, but it doesn't always register how old that is, how old the voice on that page is. And yet when you're listening to it, it's pretty profound to have that experience. But you also pair it with some history. You describe the, the individual, the, the pastor, the Christian, uh, a lot of the cultural settings, the, the challenges that they were confronting, and that's all very, very helpful, too. It just adds such a richness to it, and it's very easy to understand. So just an encouragement for anybody that has not had the opportunity to, to listen to this material. Um, it really is worth your time, and it's, a, it's just a great resource. And here's the other thing about it. Similar to what we're trying to do at the Christian Emergency Podcast— is we're trying to put out evergreen content. We're trying to put out uh, material that's going to be good in season and out. And that is true of this. So if you're just hearing about this for the first time, well, the good news is there's a whole bunch of episodes stacked up that you can go back to and be blessed with by hearing. So it really is amazing. The sermons that uh, have been selected, like uh, like Troy mentioned, uh, these people are preaching Christ. It is very strong and robust. 
and uh, an encouragement perhaps to pastors or people going through seminary is that this sets such a good example uh, for us to try to emulate and follow in our own ministry. How, how can we reclaim some of these practices, some of these patterns of preaching where it's not all sugar-coated and it's not sticky? It, it really is the Word of God. It's the Bible unpacked, unfiltered. It's wonderful stuff. It's also positive content. You know, there's a lot of things out there that are draining, especially if anybody's on the internet or social media, there's a lot of draining stuff out there. And we battle that, working with uh, cases of persecution. Um, there's a lot of things that we have to wade through that are really tough and just difficult. They're, they're deflating. But this is positive content that fills you up. And yeah, would you speak to that? How is this content really good for nourishing our souls? So it's funny because like when we put a lot of time and thought into creating the show, and yet when we thought of the show and what where we wanted to go, I don't think that I it, it was really much like we didn't know what we were creating. Like we thought we're making old sermons. You can listen to them again. That's kind of neat, right? Um, we didn't realize we were making what we were really making, which is a church history podcast. Like if you had asked us, we're like, no, it's like a sermon podcast, right? And it wasn't until later we realized, no, this is like a church history podcast. This is almost its own unique subject. And we didn't realize that what we thought we were making was just, oh, these are sermons. And what we realized was we're telling stories and we're bringing the sermons back as well. And these sermons are so, these stories of these people are so incredibly, incredibly encouraging. Jonathan Edwards has this quote at the beginning of his uh, diary of David Brainerd that he edited and helped publish. And he says, there's two ways to commend truth. There is religion and doctrine and there's by example. And I find that there are lots of great theology talk shows and they're better than me. They can understand the Greek and the Hebrew and they can do all that stuff. And there are lots of people doing the the the, the doctrine and example and the doctrine and precepts. But we really feel like our shows are the examples. The, the other way to encourage people to be believers is to show them examples of what believers look like and what we've gone through before. You know, it's so easy to be wrapped up in the moment you're in. And to think, oh my goodness, you know, the sky is falling. Things have never been so bad. And, and look, there are really bad things happening around the world and there are very tough circumstances. And that's why your show is important. We need Christians to be ready for what is coming and what's happening all around them. But you're not the first ones to go through bad times. There's nothing I, can, I have seen yet that you can't point to that someone has had to speak into and deal with before. I mean, there was only, I've literally put out, I'm editing a sermon and we just put it out. Actually, let's put it out about a man, a pastor who had to preach a murder suicide. I mean, it's mm. about as dark of a situation as you can get on yet. We have a sermon by a man in the 1700s who had to deal with that incredibly tough situation. You're dealing with war. Yes, we have many Christians that have been as soldiers like Jay Gresham Machen was on the front lines. We have D.L. Moody was on the front line serving alongside. We have soldiers who were actually in the war that we've covered. John brought us, um, for example, or maybe you're dealing with plagues. We have lots of people who lived through plagues. We can give you some examples of those as well. You're going through a, a great a great poverty time. Are you lots of Well, we have lots of examples of that. Jason Ryle's family lost everything he had. I uh, can think of some people who grew up so poor. Dale Moody, again, was so poor. His family had to send him to another home to get food, and he had to be basically a slave so he could get food. That was as a kid. Yeah, that's pretty mm -hmm. poor, right? Uh, you, you, you're dealing with uh, maybe sickness and illness. I, Elise says on her show, Martyrs and Missionaries. Sorry, my wife has a show as well, Martyrs and Missionaries, that we also run. 
And she says that it basically seems to be a requirement almost that if God is going to use you in great ways, you need to have some horrible illness because so many of her people between Lilius Trotter and Gladys Aylward and Amy Carmichael, and they have some debilitating illness almost every time that you would think would disqualify you. And yet somehow the Lord is able to get them through situations that you could never imagine a human surviving. And they did it all with this debilitating mm -hmm. illness. And if you have mental health problems, well, you're in good company. Charles Spurgeon had plenty of depression to deal with and struggle with and work through. And A.B. Simpson had multiple mental breakdowns and Hudson Taylor had a breakdowns. I mean, you are not alone. That's something we can work through. And there's I, I you did you struggle with lust? Did you mess up your early life? Well, Augustine did the same thing. Did you were you a drunk at one point? C.I. Schofield was a, a drunk. He lost his family and he was bankrupt at the age of 40. I mean, there's truly nothing you can think of that there's not someone in history who went through it and Christ drew them out of it and did amazing things. Are you a hopeless case and you're listening? Well, George Mueller was a thief who had gone to jail and was so rotten. His own mother asked him to come see him, see her, see have him come see her on his deathbed. And she said, no, he said, no, I'm not going to see you on the deathbed. I'm busy gambling and drinking with the boys. And he didn't even go visit his mom on her, on her deathbed. I mean, that's, about as rotten as a human can be. And he went on to be the father of modern orphanages and would live for Christ and do amazing things and take over, take care of over 10,000 orphans. I mean, the, the, the facts of the matter is our amazing, amazing faith has done amazing, amazing things. And Christ is, is working through his people all over the world. And there's just, there's just nothing you can point to that the God has not already done it in amazing ways. We will return to the podcast momentarily, but first a word from our sponsor. Being a Christian today can be hard. This is true if you live in a heavily persecuted country like Iran or areas where cultural pressures against Christians are growing fast like America and Europe. Fortunately, none of us have to stand alone. We are part of a giant body, one huge spiritual family that spans the globe. That is the church. The Christian Emergency Alliance is committed to helping the church stand, regardless of the pressures to come. As a 501c3 nonprofit, the Christian Emergency Alliance strives to help our spiritual family when persecution hits. We also strengthen the church by supporting ministry that makes Christ famous, defends biblical truth, and prepares fellow believers for challenges ahead. You have the opportunity to make a huge impact in this work today. Become a monthly financial ally of the Christian Emergency Alliance by signing up at christianemergency.com. Your support of $25 a month or a gift in any amount will bless those who need help in these darkening days. Help the church stand today, tomorrow, and in the days to come. Register today at www.christianemergency.com. And now, back to the show. Yeah, God has worked powerfully through broken people throughout the ages, and it's not just us. There's a sort of chronological snobbery that can set in if we only know our own experience in the last 10 years, and that's the extent, or we're only reading from authors who are 40 years old, who are alive right now. Yeah, this is so, so good for us. It's like it's strengthening these ligaments, these muscles that we didn't even know that we had, but we can draw strength from those who have gone before us and apply their lessons and their perspective and their context and just encouragement. Like uh, like Troy said, a lot of Christians are struggling today in one form or fashion or another, uh, family issues, health issues, all these things. But when you realize that you're not alone in those trenches, there's others uh, that are not just in the trenches with you today, but there have been others in the trenches before, and they've they've taken their lumps and they've continued. That gives us hope, and if they can do it, I can do it. Um, so all of that's a part of this, and I think it's also going to be important for our kids to hear this. If you have preteens, teenagers, this is going to be good, again, driving down the road or just hanging around a table and listening to this. It's not tremendously long episodes, 
but just listen to it and and hash it up. Talk about it. Talk about the lessons afterwards. And I think that's going to really uh, be important for them as we raise up the next generation. It's just great context. It's a great reminder that we're not alone, that we're with God, but God's also sent us these fellow believers who have gone through troubles of their own and trying seasons. This is very helpful. Now, you did mention another podcast that your wife is putting on called Martyrs and Missionaries, and it too is really born of the same stripe. It's it's not the same focus on sermons, but instead it's on the experience of uh, martyrs, people who have paid high costs for their faith, and missionaries, these people that deploy into cross-cultural settings around the world throughout history. Um, and she's she's looking into their experience. She's done a lot of research in the material she's compiled, similar to you. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that show? So my wife, uh, a couple of years ago, she came to me with the idea. She said, we sh- there should be a show. And her words were like, it should be Fox's Book of Martyrs. Like, there should be a show telling the stories of Christians throughout history. And when she said that, I said, oh, like, that's, a, that's a great idea. But I said that certainly that show exists already somewhere else. But we looked for it and we spent some time Googling it and we could not find it. Nobody is doing a show like that. And we, I couldn't believe that this show didn't exist already. I said, you know, you've got to do this. If no one's doing this, someone needs to be doing this. You need to do it. And she was all too eager to jump in and make it happen. She has always loved missionary stories, always loved martyr stories. I'm not like, a, oh, yeah, they're dying. But, you know, just in a while, these are amazing stories of faithful Christians and she has been doing it on her own. She she is amazing at it. She reads like the original biography, sometimes very old, uh, and tries to tell stories of Christians uh, doing hard things. And, and sometimes they're famous Christians. And I have mo- made multiple episodes, for example, on our podcast about Hudson Taylor. But my wife, she is so good at the research. She found many, many, many stories that I had never heard of that I, I was unfamiliar with. And I had read his uh, have read his biography and I've made episodes before him and I was still listening. I was like, I can't believe all the research and things you found mm-hmm. um, in her three part series on him. So she's very good at this. Like she this is like the job she's born to do, if that makes sense. So she finds just amazing stuff. And sometimes she'll find stories of people you maybe have heard of, like a Hudson Taylor or an Amy Carmichael. But I promise you, she's got stories of people you've never probably heard of. Mitsuho Fushida or Asa Hutchins. No, Asa Hutchins. I think that's what his name is. Anyway, just these one. No, Asa Hutchinson is the, the politician. Am I saying it's Asa something? It's Asa's the guy. Look up Asa and you'll know who I'm talking about. Anyway, um, there's just a bunch of crazy people in there. She also tells entire histories of countries, too. Like she did an episode on the Armenian genocide covering the entire history of Armenia. Uh, She did an episode on the rise and fall of Christianity in Japan, part one and two. Absolutely must listen. You I highly encourage everyone should know what happened to the Christians in Japan. There were two different waves of Christians that tried to get into Japan and both times they failed. And it's a very sad, but I think important story to know what happened there and what went wrong. So we don't make those same mistakes. And so she's very good at just doing these histories of areas that just a lot of places just forget. We don't talk about them. Well, not only that, I was impressed with the level of her research because if you've done a surface reading, perhaps you're thinking about launching to the missions field and you're picking up just a couple quick resources, there's some missions movements that you can read about and um, be excited about. Wow, so this community a few hundred years ago got uh, uh, engaged in evangelism and going to different countries, and it seems encouraging. But what I was impressed with is she can distill the good aspects of those movements, but she's also recognizing that there may have been some unhealthy aspects of the movement. So you actually get a layered understanding of a lot of this rather than just kind of a glib, 
surface level treatment of it. She's very good at, at uh, digging in a few different levels of that material, which is really helpful. Yeah, no, both my wife and I are big fans of just of not making up. So we're not here to make these people into idols. You know, let's tell the story of who they really are, flaws and all, because I really believe that you, the audience you're listening right now, you can figure out what's best, right? You understand and you can listen to and you can you can glean the good from the bad. And I also think you, as who is the person that's listening, can oftentimes be encouraged when you hear the bad things that people did and what the mistakes that they made and where they were wrong so that you feel these people are not perfect superhuman apostles. They're like me. And if they can make mistakes and still be remembered for the great things they're doing, then so can I. I can do it as well and I can jump in. So it's always been a goal of ours to never steer away from the controversies, but to steer right into the controversies, um, but not let that sink the ship and not give into the new history stuff that, you know, progressives take the history and they rewrite it and make everything negative. We're not doing any of that either. We're, that's why we go to the old sources. We want the original stories, not the ones that have been rewritten, because we know that the original stories are just going to be closer to truth and they're going to be um, they're going to give you the flaws with them, I think. Yeah, that's a great point, is that your material is a great antidote to a lot of the revisionist history that is being promulgated out there. A whole lot of people interpreting history through non-biblical lenses and even sometimes fabricating history. Um, so let's go back to the primary sources. And warts and all, there's so much for us to, to glean from those episodes, from those examples. So I'm glad that you guys are doing that. Now, who, when we're going back, let's go back to Revive Thoughts and these sermons. Who qualifies to have a sermon shared on your program? Is it somebody that was like 30 years ago or or how does that work? So you must be uh, dead for starters. So we're not taking living applicants. Um, we've had, It's really funny. We've had people say, oh, have you thought of taking, and we look at the very nice listeners, and they're like, have you thought of taking this John MacArthur sermon? I'm well, John MacArthur's alive. You can read his own sermons. I don't, I don't need, he doesn't need me to read a sermon for him. Um, and we don't take anybody that you can be recorded. We actually had a show called Revived Radio where it would take like old radio sermons from like the 1920s, 30s, 40s, which was really cool. Uh, we just didn't have time to run that show and revive thoughts and martyrs and missionaries and be overseas. So it, it was too much, but it's a really great show. But we really cut the line off. If I can hear you, then we're not going to play you because what's the point of bringing back a sermon? You can go listen to the original. I, I'm never going to be um, Leonard Ravenhill as good as Levin Ra Leonard Ravenhill will be, and that's just too much to ask. So the key has got to be that you are dead and that your sermons are unrecorded. And so the er the closest to today's sermon that we've ever done uh, was we did a single sermon by Watchman Nee, um, and then there was one by John Sung, and those guys lived in the 40s and 60s. Mm -hmm. However, we felt like that was safe because if you even had a recording of them, they would be in Chinese, so it you wouldn't be able to understand it. Most of, most of our listeners would not be able to understand it, at least. Um, and Bonhoeffer as well. And that's pretty much as close to our time period that we will touch. 99.5% of our sermons are in the 1800s or early 1905 kind of era. And I mean, that's where we want to be. We want to be bringing the sermons back that you would have no other way to listen to them if it wasn't for our show that we, I like to think of it as we're almost pulling them out of a library. And quite literally, this actually has happened. We have quite um, been blessed to actually take sermons that truly were locked away in libraries or just were completely lost to history, we'll email them and say, hey, we heard this library had this, and they'll scan it into the internet for the first time and send it to us. I mean, there are there are multiples of sermons we've had that they, they're they they're seeing the bright of day for the first time in hundreds of years through our program, or they were um, in such bad translation help, because a lot of sermons are going into libraries, they're scanlated onto the virtual libraries, the internet, but they're in absolutely, I mean, they're not in English as we know it today, they're in 1600s English, so I have to go through and edit them and it's always a lot of work, but 
uh, most of the time, those are the sermons I'm most excited to bring back because when I get them and I read them and I'm like, man, this sermon was truly buried in archaic language and it's been forgotten. But those are some of the best, most challenging, convicting, interesting sermons almost every single time. And I, we love, we love that. We love these sermons. That's kind of what qualifies it though. Is this sermon, do we think it's going to be content that we need today? And is it, is it, is it from somebody you can't listen to any other way, but without getting some help from us to do it? And finally, too, we do check, of course, with who we're looking up. Sometimes it's hard to do. We do have the occasional sermon. We've had even the sermon to the unknown author. And we had the occasional sermon where we really don't know a lot of information about the guy who does it. And so we can only use the content of the sermon to determine whether the person was, you know, a Christ honoring individual. But the other side of it is, yes, we're not we're not putting heretics on. So no, no uh, Mormons, no weird, you know, things that are not of Christ, of our faith. We're going to keep those things out. Thank you. But uh you know, there was one time I found a sermon. I was like, oh, this is very interesting. And the guy I looked up was a Freemason. I was like, oh, well, that was going to be an interesting sermon, but we're going to have to throw that one out. So <laughs> there's things like that, too, where you'll get, oh, this looks like something. Oops, that guy turned into a universalist. We're tossing that out. So that happens, too. Well, praise God. I love that you're dusting off these old sermons. You're finding some of these that have been buried and hidden away in libraries. Um, I'm glad that you're bringing them back to life. You're literally reviving them. So that's wonderful. And you're also curating this content. Like you said, what, what you're describing is curating content, which I think is important for us as believers today is there is, we're just blasted with news, with mundane, with entertainment. Um, and we only have so much time and we have responsibilities and we have things that we need to, that are important for us to conduct in our lives. And we as Christians need to be curating what we consume. I'm preaching to myself um, in addition to others, but we need to curate the content so that it is uplifting, encouraging, or material that we can use to be a blessing to others. So I'm glad that you're doing that. And you're also spanning a huge—I know you're saying that a lot of your uh, material is coming from, I believe, the 18th century, maybe the 19th century, but you're also going back a long ways into really the ancient church, what we describe today as the ancient church— what are some of your oldest sermons that come to mind? So the oldest sermon we've ever done is uh, was done by Origen, and he was around the turn of the second, uh, turn of the third century. It is the early two hundreds? I don't know how you say that. It's always kind of confusing what the century is yeah. saying. Um, we have an older sermon, Second Clement. It is the oldest sermon and outside of Scripture because many believe that he, the Book of Hebrews and Sermon on the Mount might be a sermon, but you know. Sermon on the Mount sermon. You know, the book of Hebrews might be a sermon as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the second Clement would be the oldest non-biblical sermon that we have. We just haven't been able to get it on the show yet. So we're working on that. It's a tough sermon to kind of edit to modern language because it's just very different. Um, but that's the oldest one. But we have lots of sermons from these early guys, Chrysostom, Basil, Gregory of Nazianzus, Gregory of Nyssa, uh, um, Augustine, Ambrose, Ambrose. Oh man, if there's one episode, if you're like, I gotta see this show, go listen to the Ambrose episode. It's one of my absolute favorites. The gentleman gave this sermon while Roman guards were trying to break into the church because they wanted to use this church by the Arians. Um, the emperor was Arian at the time. He wanted that meant he believed that Jesus was created, not God. And he demanded that Ambrose would give up this church pulpit and let him use this church. There were other churches. And he said, why does everyone else get a church? The emperor doesn't get just one church. And Ambrose locks the doors in and says, no, we're holding down the fort. You can't take this pulpit from us. I'll never, I'll never give a pulpit to 
anything other than Christ. So no, you will have to take it from us. And I will, you, you can't, I will not give it to you willingly. Uh, these monks and this guy barricaded themselves in the church and the Roman guards spent days trying to break in and they just held it down. They didn't have food and water. They didn't prepare for a siege. They were just at church. And it's just this amazing thing. And in the middle of all that, Ambrose gets up and just gives a sermon. And one of my favorite lines in it is he goes, if God can use a dumb donkey to ride into Jerusalem, perhaps he can use someone even as lowly as me. I'm like, what a, He's saying this while they're banging on the doors to get in. It's just, we live in just, I, I, the, the people, I tell you, they they do things that I just, I look at them and I go, I could not be that cool. I, that's mm. like a movie line, right? That's that's the money shot right there. And I could never do anything that amazing. I just listen to these stories. And yeah, so they're just these really amazing old men. And I have learned so much from them. And I will say, sometimes I think the most convicting sermons come from that era because you know, they'll say things like, why do you have so many riches? Give it to the poor. And back in those early church days, they would truly just sell everything and go live in a cave for God. And I'm like, I don't know that we should be doing that today. But man, when you tell me I live for God or I live too much for money, I believe you because you sold everything you had. So like you're saying that with credibility. And it's just it's really it's just really encouraging and convicting to read sermons from that era. Absolutely. Well, it just reveals such a different chapter onto the Christian experience, the Christian story and all this that we have to to learn from. I remember somebody once giving me the advice to, it was something like, uh, for every book you read by a, a modern author, go read one or two by a dead Christian. And the point was so that we can get a balanced view of the entire Christian story and experience. So in a sense, that your program is helping achieve the same ends, is just opening up this new world to a lot of people for the first time. And again, it's it's fascinating. It's digestible. Yeah, it's it's really an excellent resource. Um, as we start to wrap up, I was curious if there were as you're going through these sermons and this content, um, you're curating this material for your audience. Are there one or two top lessons that you would hope that Christians today would take away from your materials? Is there a theme or two that you're like, man, this is really needed here, and I hope that Christians today can take this away. I mean, there's there's several themes I feel like I could give, but the very first one that comes to mind is courage. You mm. are not going to be remembered in history. or What the church does today will not matter if you lack courage. You must be brave. You must actually be strong in the faith. You must be willing to stand up. And I know it's hard. I know there are going to be areas where you're struggling, but you got to start doing it soon. You got to do it in the small areas first. Um, I think of Charles Spurgeon. He had, I mean, he wasn't living through outright physical persecution, but he was going through intense social persecution. He believed that the church was going through a liberalism time, a time of giving up the faith uh, in his era. And his his magazine published some articles basically saying, hey, we're getting worse at doing this. And he got attacked for it from every single direction. Um, his entire denomination that he was a part of, the specific wing of the Baptists in England, voted on it. And they voted him down 2000 to seven and basically said, you were wrong. You're you're out. You're out, man. You, you failed us and you need to compromise. But he did not. Instead, he chose to back out of his denomination. He held on to it. And then his wife said that this cost him to die early, the stress of losing so many friends and getting attacked. But he would not back down and he said he believed that history would vindicate that he was on the right side of that issue 
And about a decade or two later, as people woke up to the theological liberalism of their time, they began to realize that people have compromised on the faith and it was causing so many problems. And they looked for people who had stood up to it. They found Charles Spurgeon was this man, his icon, who had stayed firm when so many else have caved into that. Now, Spurgeon's legacy is quite great. And many Christians have maybe heard of him and heard of his name. If you haven't, you should go listen to his sermons. They're really good. But that all started with one man who had courage. He had everything to lose. He had the largest church in the British Empire. He had absolutely everything to lose. But he stood on truth when it was not easy to do so. It cost him dearly. And yet history proved he was correct. And it doesn't always have to be the deadly persecution, although sometimes it is, right? Sometimes it is the Bonhoeffer getting up in church when the Nazis have taken over and saying the church will not bend. But sometimes it's the small areas. Sometimes it's just standing firm for your faith around your friend circles and around those around you. You know, Bonhoeffer is famous for giving up his life and, and sharing the gospel and helping lead backwood seminaries. But you know where it started was when the Nazis took over took over the colleges. They said, you have to agree professors to teach Nazi, you know, propaganda, part of your lessons. And Bonhoeffer and his and eventually his brother-in-law were the only two professors at the entire college that stepped down. It was a small personal risk. It was a small personal fall. And yet that was eventually what would make him, give him the slow steps to courage to become the man that he became. Oftentimes it's those little things. If you're, if you are a pastor, if you are in any way in ministry, your people need you to be courageous. They need to hear that you believe it because you can say you believe it, but if you do not have courage, then it's hard to believe that you actually believe it because it is the courage that is contagious and it is the courage that shows you mean it. Be people of truth and say it boldly without fear of consequence or what other people will think of you, but just in love, but with boldness. I think that is one of the lessons that the sermons that matter, the people that matter throughout history, the people that make it in the church history, the books, the people that I'm reading about and bringing back to life and sharing with people again, those are the people who were bold. It's not the people who compromised. It's not the people who got along to get along. It's not the people who got the cushy gigs and, and, and wrote the papers that the world wanted to read. It's usually the people who took hard stands that were not popular, but eventually it was proven to be correct. The other theme that I would highly recommend, it's kind of a weird theme, but I, I've seen this over and over again, and that is be faithful in the small areas that you are in. One of my favorite things about church history is how many things God uses that are unexpected. What I mean by that is the same gentleman, I don't mean to keep using Spurgeon, but he's a really good, he's a really good example user here. He was just a young man. He was, I think, was about 15, 16 years old, and he was on his way to church, but he was caught in a blizzard, and he ended up going to a different church than he normally goes to. He goes inside of a small chapel. There's a few people there, and the, the snow was so bad, the pastor himself wasn't able to make it. And so an old man just kind of gets up, no preparation, just gives a sermon, preaches on a passage. And Charles Spurgeon, who would eventually become one of the most influential pastors and preachers of all time, got saved in that little sermon. It was just a man. We don't even know this man's name. He wasn't the pastor. He just was a faithful man who stepped up. And 200 years before that, a man named John Owen did the same thing. It had the same thing happen to him. He went to a conference, was expecting to hear a celebrity speak. The celebrity couldn't come. And so another man that was there that helped organize it just got up and gave a quick sermon. He wasn't the celebrity. Everyone may have gone home disappointed, but John Owen was converted to Christ on the spot. C.I. Schofield had drank himself into a pit, was financially bankrupt, had lost everything. And a man was coming by, just kind of talking to him, kind of an acquaintance and knew him. And as he was getting ready to leave, he said he turned around. He couldn't couldn't leave without doing it. He said, why don't you believe in God? 
And they had a conversation and Schofield became a Christian and turned his life around on the spot. There's so many moments like that where somebody, a mother, uh, Hudson Taylor, parents prayed that he would be a missionary to China. Um, John G. Payton, who changed the uh, New Hebrida Islands, ended cannibalism there, brought Christianity to the islands. He paid a high price. His wife and his child died on those islands. And yet those islands are Christian because of the work he did. And his parents had prayed, just send us a child that we can send and give back to missions. I mean, there's just so many little things. So you may look at yourself and you may be looking around, you're going, what a, what can I do? You know, I'm not a famous pastor. I'm not a book writer. I don't have the influence. What, what is it I can do? And I'm telling you, you don't need those things. You just be faithful right where you are with the people in front of you. Maybe God will take one of the people in front of you and will do great things with them someday. John Newton was once a low pastor preaching in a church in the middle of somewhere, England. No one ever knew where it was. He was just a regular guy. But he was teaching and preaching and sharing the faith of Christ. And there was a young man at 16 years old in his congregation listening. He went off, didn't live for the faith, but eventually he got saved, turned around and came back. And that young man's name was William Wilberforce. And when he became a Christian, he came back to John Newton, that small pastor there in the middle of Nowheresville, England. And the two of them went on to literally abolish slavery in England forever. They didn't know they were going to do that early on. They had no idea that's what they were doing. He was just a 16-year-old boy, and John Newton was just a former slave trader who became a Christian. You have no idea what the impact of your faithful actions can have, but even if they don't have actions that reflect and echo into all of eternity, they'll certainly echo and reflect in the lives of those around you. The people who are around you will certainly be grateful that you took every action in your life and you were faithful. You don't have to be a famous pastor. You don't have to be a famous somebody. You can just do what God has called you to do right where you are saying, God, yes, I'll share the gospel with that person that you've been telling me to. Yes, I'll, be, so I'll go ask that person to pray with them. Yes, I'll raise my kids the way you've called me to do. And I'll do those things in faith. And let's see where God can use them. Because I tell you what, what the thing that surprised me, I didn't go into church history study and expecting to find it, but the thing that one of the things that's moved me the most is just how much God can use these tiny little actions to really do amazing and unexpected things. Amen. Well, that's just those are wonderful takeaways for us. And hopefully everybody that's listening is recognizing how important this material is and what a great resource is being made available to them through your sacrifice, through your wife's sacrifice. And we're grateful that you're doing that. And yeah, I think this is going to be a wonderful kingdom asset uh, for people in many countries and ages. And I'm just really excited to, to be able to bring you on and share about this and direct others, hopefully, into your stream so that they can, too, be blessed by it and be a blessing to others around them and the small things and the big things that hit them in life. Um, we're going to absolutely put the links for your programs in our show notes. Are there any other ways that any of our listeners can follow you in your ministry if they choose to do so. Uh, yeah. So we do have a, a Twitter or an X, whatever it's called. You can find me. It's on Troy Frazier. I don't really hide anything. I post a lot of stupid church history memes, but I like them. Sometimes they're kind of funny and, uh, and they're all self-made. So if they're bad, that's, you can blame me. Um, and yeah, that's, that's what we do, but we also post content. I try to post, uh, longer thoughts on church history sometimes as well just sharing some of the stuff that we either can't fit into the episodes or use teasers and stuff so go find us there we'd love for you to follow us and then if you are very interested in my wife and my ministry and you're like oh, i want to know more about you guys um, on facebook we have a small group that's private called following the frasers just say hey i'd like to check that group out and we'll let you in and that's uh that's that's the main two ways to follow us and then obviously you can subscribe to my show or her show on martyrs missionaries or revive thoughts on any podcasting 
apps that you would like to follow. And so far, that's pretty much all we have going. We do hope to get a YouTube channel up with a lot more stuff soon. But, you know, we're all very busy, so we do the best we can. That's right. That's right. Well, I am really grateful for what you guys are doing, this material. Um, I've really enjoyed your programs, and I've enjoyed this conversation today. Um, And I can't thank you enough for taking some of your busy time to spend with us. Oh, thank you, Andy. I really appreciate you reaching out. Appreciate you being patient with me when I was slow at emailing back and forth. I'm a really terrible, terrible <laughs> responder, but you were very, very kind and very patient to work with me. So thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. No, no problem. Well, you guys have a good one and I hope that we can talk again before too long. That's good. See you later. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today for the Christian Emergency Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends about us and ask them to subscribe as well. To learn more about the Christian Emergency Alliance or financially invest in our ministry, visit us at www.christianemergency.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you again for listening and stand strong out there.